are listening to the weekly message at Woods Chapel Blue Springs, where it doesn't matter who you are or where you are coming from, everyone is included, accepted, and loved. For more information, please visit us at woodschapelbluesprings.org. Good morning, and thank you for joining us here at Wood Chapel Blue Springs. My name is Michael Scott, and I just want to thank you for being with us. Uh, today, we start our fourth week in this series called This Is Our Story, and it's the final week of Advent. And we've been talking about hope, peace, joy, and today we're going to talk about love. Now, every week, um, we've been talking about our stories. How do our stories tie into the Christmas story? And so I've been reading stories uh, about Jesus' birth and what, what happened leading up to it, what happened maybe a little bit afterwards, and what happened during his time when his family was traveling. Now, I, every week I bring a picture of an ornament, and this ornament is one that's on my tree at home. I have this amazing tree that has all these handmade ornaments from all my kids from growing, growing up, uh, ornaments from when my wife and I were kids growing up. And I bring an ornament, and I talk about the story that's behind it, because with every ornament, there is a story. And so I brought ornaments in from vacation. Uh, my most recent one was just last week. And this week, um, I brought an ornament that we made at home just this last Sunday. Uh, last Saturday, not yesterday, but the Saturday before last, we handed out Christmas ornaments that you could make with your family. And so I got a bunch of them for my family, and I took them home, and I brought a picture. Uh, you can see it here. This is uh, my daughter, Angelica, my son, Brian, and my daughter, Angelica's boyfriend, Gabe. This is them making those ornaments. Now, if you made these, or if you had these, what you did is you took a piece of wood, and you had to paint it. You either painted it white, or you painted it black. And then we had these stickers. Some said joy. Some had this big, like, deer or moose on it. And you, you would paint it, let it dry. You'd put the sticker on it, and you had to rub it really hard, rub really hard so that the, the sticker would stick, and you peeled the back of it off. Except that when you peeled the back of it off, as a lot of you probably know, um, the sticker kind of came with it, so the thing that you were supposed to be putting on the ornament didn't stick very well. And so we're having a hard time with this, and, and Brian's putting his on, and he's taking a credit card, and he's rubbing it really hard. He's trying to get it to stick, and he pulls it off, and it rips the whole thing in two. And so I brought a picture of what then he did with his Christmas ornament, and you'll see it here. Now, Brian decided to write little things on his Christmas ornament. And so Brian's ornament did not look like the rest of our ornaments. His was unique. His was different. It's not what we expected. And so Brian's ornament was different. And I want to talk about how love is the same way. Often we think love should look like a certain thing, but in life it gets messy, it gets difficult, it breaks, and then it looks different than what we think it's going to. And so every week we've been talking about these ornaments, we've been talking about our stories, and we've been talking about how those are connected together. How do our stories tell about who we are? How does the story of Christmas, how does the story of Jesus' birth describe who we are as Christians and who we are as a community? And so every week we've been talking about this. And I've also invited you to come uh, and light your Advent calendar. Cal I can't say calendar. Your Advent wreath with us every single week. And so the first week we talked about hope, right? We start with hope, uh, this anticipation that we are waiting for something. Uh, I talked about how in the very beginning of Christianity, we merge with Celtic cultures. We get the idea of a Christmas tree from the Celtics. Right, And so they had this idea where they decorated a tree, and all Advent means is the time that gets, uh, the days get shorter and shorter and shorter between Advent and the winter solstice. And so as the, the days get shorter, they would light candles to provide more light. But in the Celtic culture, they embraced the darkness. They said, this time of darkness, this time of unrest, this time of uncertainty, we're going to use it to, to change us, to make us better people. And 
through that, we find hope. That even in the darkness, even in difficult times, that we can find hope. The second week, uh, and of course this candle, which um, signifies the a candle of, and it doesn't like the light, this candle of joy. And that joy is something that we participate in. Uh, joy is not happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is hormones going off in your brain. But joy, joy exceeds that. Joy is the thing that we participate in that exceeds happiness. It's something that we do. It's not just something that we feel. And of course, all these things, love, hope, joy, and peace, all these things are something we do. It's not just a feeling. Now, last week, we lit the candle of peace. And I talked about how the shepherds, when the angels came to them, when they went to see Jesus, they were terrified. And over and over again in scripture, we see this, this word and this phrase that says, do not be afraid. Jesus talks about not being afraid more than he talks about the greatest commandment. And we know that to not be afraid is the place that we find peace. So to drive out fear is where we find peace. And this week, we like light the candle of love. And so we have hope, joy, peace, and love. And I believe that love is something that we struggle with. Now, how many of you, if you're watching this morning, I want you to type, what is love to you? Often we think about love, we think of romantic love. We think of Disney love. We think of Disney princesses and, and all those Disney shows. Uh, we think of the butterflies and the rainbows and all this stuff. And we think love is something that happens to us, right? We talk about it this way, that we fall into love. It's just something that just happens to us. And I think we look for love in all the wrong places. I think somebody should write a song about that. But we don't find love in the way we want it. Or we do find that, and then it leaves us, right? Those feelings, those butterflies, those emotions, they leave us. And once again, I'm going to make the argument today that love is something we participate in. Love is something that we choose. And I think we have a great example in the Bible, in the story of Jesus' birth, of exactly what love looks like. And so each week, I've told you stories. Uh, of The first one we started out with was the story of hope. And we started in this book called Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is where we read about Jesus. Now, Matthew and Luke are the only two books that talk about Jesus' birth or that leading up to it. The other two books start out later on in Jesus' ministry once he's already doing stuff. Mark starts out at the baptism, and, and John actually starts out at the beginning of the world. And, and the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh, and all that stuff. But in Matthew and Luke, we read about Jesus' life. Now, in the very first chapter of, of Luke, uh, we see the lineage or the heritage because they were looking for somebody who was a descendant of King David, and they were looking for somebody to come and overthrow the Roman Empire because the Jewish community felt like they were being, not they didn't feel like they were being oppressed by the Roman, the Roman government. And so they were looking for somebody to come start a war, to overthrow them. And of course, when we read about the lineage, we go back to Isaiah for what they were actually looking for. And we find that they weren't looking for a hero. They thought they were because there's, there's one little line in there. It talks about he'll control the heavenly armies. But Jesus was supposed to be the prince of peace. He's supposed to bring a new form of government, meaning a new way to live our lives, a new way to think about the world, to see the world, to interact with those around us. Uh, and so the second week, that's the first week, that was hope. They were looking for something that wasn't real. Jesus shows up, and he changes people not through government and not by overthrowing government, but Jesus changes the world by saying, you can make a difference. You have a choice in your life to live a better life, to be a better human, to be righteous. And to be righteous means that you are in the act of making things right. 
Uh, the second week, we talked about joy. How when, so Mary finds out she's pregnant, and she freaks out, right? I mean, who wouldn't f- freak out if they found out they were pregnant? And um, they, had, they had not been with somebody, right? And so she finds out she's pregnant. She goes to her relative Elizabeth, and the babies jump for joy. Last week, we talked about the, the, the shepherds and how they're uh, freaked out when the angel appears to them to go find Jesus. I want to go back to Matthew this morning. And so after Matthew gives the lineage of where Jesus' ancestors come from, going all the way back to King David, uh, I want to read just after that. So, so Matthew finishes that up, and then he tells a story about how Jesus comes to be. So if you're following along, I'm in the first chapter of Matthew, verse 18. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries is conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's literally what the word Jesus means. It means one who saves others. Right? One who teaches us a different way of life. One who talks to us about salvation. Of course, Jesus would be called Emmanuel, who is God with us. Now, the interesting part of that scripture is Mary's just found out that she's pregnant. We know that from Luke. Now, Matthew doesn't talk about that, but we know in Luke that Mary leaves. Uh, we don't know how Joseph finds out that she's pregnant, but we know Mary leaves, and she stays for like three months with Elizabeth, her relative. Now, in the interim, Joseph finds out that she's pregnant. Now, I want you, I talked about how put yourself in Mary's place, a young, unwed teenage mother, uh, or mother-to-be at least, and she finds herself pregnant, and, and she runs and flees, and, and Mary comforts her, and they're together, and she helps her deal with this, and, and all the ramifications. We, we tend to glorify all this, but you know this had to be difficult. I mean, this couldn't have been easy. So, so her and Joseph are engaged. They're engaged to be married. I mean, we have people here in the space right now who are engaged to be married. Now, imagine you're those people. Imagine that you're getting ready to get married, and your spouse comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. I'm assuming that's how he found out. We're not really sure. I always like to read the scripture, and I want to know the story behind the story. Like, how did Matthew find this out? Who told him? Was it Mary? Was it Joseph? Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have different perspectives of what happened in Jesus' life. So I wonder if they heard it from different people, or maybe it was through another person. I'm not sure, but things that wander through my brain at night. But Joseph finds out she's pregnant. And in their law, uh, if a woman, um, or a man for that matter, uh, had an adulterous situation, you could separate. Now, they weren't married, so they were engaged to be married. And so they could break the engagement off. And of course, Joseph decides that he's going to do this. Now, If Joseph would have continued on and done that, uh, who knows where we would be today? But Joseph didn't do that. Now, of course, as the story goes, an angel of the Lord comes to him, and in a dream, in a quiet time, when things were dark and and he's sleeping, right? When the the subconscious is active and he's thinking about all this and he's in turmoil. I mean, he had to have been upset. Imagine if your to-be spouse comes to you and says, I'm going to have a baby. And, 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 and you're like, I, how is that possible? There's, there's, we haven't done the thing to have you know, the baby. That had to have been a difficult conversation. And of course, Joseph is so upset. Now, we don't read about that. I, I want to read about that. I mean, I think you guys should realize that how our Savior came into the world was a horribly messy, sticky situation. 
And honestly, in their culture, it was almost unheard of. I mean, if Joseph would have left Mary, she would have been out in the cold. She would not have had anywhere to go. You see, women were treated like property or like slaves. And so men had to take care of them in their day and age. And Joseph, in their rights and their law, had every right to break off the engagement. But something different happens. Something that I think is exactly what love looks like in a relationship. Joseph changes his mind. Now we get to read about how he felt like, or, or how an angel or something, something came to him and he felt it. Now, have you ever been just driving down the road and you feel like something speaks to you and you slow down or maybe an accident happens right in front of you, right? And I, I call that God, but, but things happen sometimes. And I think Joseph experiences this. Something happens to him where something overcomes him to the point that he is, decides to stay with Mary. Now I think that is the real sign of love. That doesn't look like the love that we think about, though, does it? We want fairy tales, and we want everything to be happy. But, but Joseph says, you know, what? I'm going to remain a part of this. I'm going to stick with this. And that doesn't look like our natural image of what love and relationships look like. You know what? When I talk to people that have been married for 40 and 50 years or even longer, you know, when I talk to them about their marriage and how they made it work and what happened, you know what I don't hear? What I don't hear is that they had romantic dinners every Friday night. I mean, those can be a part of it. What I hear are usually stories of pain and suffering and both parties making the decision to stick with it, to stick it out. You know, when I do pre-marriage counseling, everybody's always Twitter-pated, right? You know what that means? Like they're excited, they're happy, they're in love, they've fallen in love. And I'm like, we need to talk about the real stuff of life because there's going to come a point in your life where you're going to hate your spouse. Hate's a strong word. We're going to dislike with a passion your spouse. And can you imagine starting a relationship out like that, though, where there's tension, there's difficulty, you know, there's, there's all this unknown. But Joseph does something radical. He chooses love. He chooses to stay in that relationship. Even before Jesus is born, we have this amazing example of what real love looks like in life. And it's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not a hormone. It's not a feel-good thing. Love are the things that we do for one another in difficult and tough situations. And you know what? This year is one of those tough situations. Beginning of this year, there's a lot of us pastors, you know, it's 2020. We're all excited about 2020, right? There's all the sermon analogies. 2020 is going to be a vision year, a clear year. We know exactly where we're going. And then, of course, it all hit the fan. Everything fell apart. And now we have no idea where we're going or what's happening. 2020 has been this ugly, horrible, difficult year to get through. But yet we can still find and still choose love in the midst of it. Normally, this week of the year would have been our children's pageant. And so if those of you who have Facebook or maybe you have Amazon photos, uh, every day it pulls up these photos from years past. And uh, just a few days ago, I'm at my phone and Amazon photos is like, you have pictures on this date from 2016, 17, and 18, and 19. And I'm scrolling through and it's all the pictures of my kids when they were much younger and a lot of your kids when they were much younger. And it's the Christmas pageant, Right. And so I'm on my phone this week, and I'm just sobbing, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I miss that. I want that. Christmas doesn't look like it normally does. Christmas Eve doesn't look like it normally does. Love doesn't look like it normally does right now, at least in my head, right? Because I want it to be magical. I want it to be pretty. I want it to have the butterflies and the rainbows, and, and I want to see the kids in their little Joseph and Mary outfits, and I want the sheep and the stars and the cows and the pigs and all the stuff. I want all that. You know what? 
We were still able to do it. It's just it's going to look a little different this year. You know, every year, my family and I, we say it's not Christmas until we stand in this room, until we sing Silent Night, and we take our candles and we light them. And that light, which is the light of Christ, the middle candle that we light on Christmas Eve, that spreads, and we light our neighbor's candle, and the light goes out and out and out and on and on and on. And this year, we can't do that here in this space. And I, and I mourn that, and I grieve that. But I do want to invite you to be a part of something special, and it's going to look different. It's not going to look the way it used to. But we have three services for our Christmas Eve services. We have one at 7 o'clock on the 23rd, and then we have two on Christmas Eve, one at 3 and one at 4.30. At the evening one, 7 o'clock on the 23rd, I'm inviting everybody to come out to our parking lot. Bring a, a glow stick. Bring a candle. Now, bring something to light it with. Maybe you don't want to light a candle in your car. I don't know. Maybe that's not a good idea. I did not say that. But maybe you can bring some glow sticks. And what I want to do is I want everybody to come to the parking lot. And even if we have to park out in the field, I want everybody to come to the parking lot. And when we get to the end, when we're singing Silent Night, I want everybody uh, to maybe roll a window down and to maybe light a candle so that we can be at least in close proximity with each other. Now, that's not going to look like other Christmas Eves. But you know what? It can still symbolize the light and the love that Christ has for us and that our job as Christians and as a community is to continue to spread that light and that love. And even though it looks different this year, I promise you we can find love, hope, joy, and peace in that. Um, As you think on that, as you invite your friends to come be a part of that, of course, we're going to socially distance. We'll be in our cars. I'll probably have some speakers out there for you to hear, but you can watch on your devices, and and I'll be here to come out at the end. Um, Let's go to God in prayer and ask him for his guidance and love in our endeavors. God, thank you for the opportunity to love. God, thank you for the opportunity to to see that you loved us differently. God, that the example that was set in the Bible and the stories we read about, they look different than what we might look at today. God, the stories we read about today are twisted, and they don't reflect what real love truly is. God, help us to see that love is a choice. Love is action. Love is doing good things in the very difficult times. God, in sickness and in health, when things aren't good and when things are good, that love can abound in all those times, just like Joseph and Mary chose to be a part of something, to sacrifice part of who they were for something greater than themselves. God, help us to have a love like that. Help us to participate in that. Help us to love like you taught us. Help us to continue to see those opportunities all around us. To participate in hope, love, joy, and peace. And God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll join us again next week.